Thanks for listening to the Cross Church Podcast. This is the last in our series, Thank You, Father. Pastor Allen talks about communion and thankfulness in this shorter message. If you enjoyed this podcast, feel free to subscribe to us wherever you listen to podcasts. Well, for four weeks, we've been focused on the importance of giving thanks to our Father, our Father in heaven, that is. Several thousand years ago, there is a, one of the great uh, Greek, or, or is it Roman? I can't remember now, and it doesn't matter. But anyway, Cicero said, gratitude is not only the greatest of virtues, but it's the parent of all the others. What you and I need to understand is gratitude is not just, uh, it's not just a recommendation or a suggestion for, for us. As we're going to see in just a, a moment, and, and as we've already reviewed, it's commanded. It's commanded of us. It's what we do as Christians. It's what our worship is really all about. It's what, it's what the attitude of every Christian ought to be. So Marcus Cicero, not a Christian, but having stopped to reflect, realizes that gratitude is huge in its impact on all human beings. In fact, he says it is actually the source. It is actually at the very root of all virtues. Now, there's been a number of studies done. Uh, You can research this yourself. It's easy, just Google the effects of gratitude. I have found in, in my research over 40 Uh, maybe 45 different studies done on the power of gratitude, of offering thanksgiving, of being thankful, of expressing gratitude. Not just as a, not just as something that you're thinking about, but something that you actually do as as a verb, an action. Let me just share 11 of them really, really quickly. Um, and again, each one of these things that I'm sharing with you, every one of them, there is scientific research to back it up. So it's not just somebody sat down and thought, I wonder what are some of the good things that come out of gratitude, but this is research that has produced these results. One, one uh, research paper suggests that if you express gratitude, thanksgiving on a regular basis, and presumably not just to people, but to God as well, it will make you up to 25% happier. Isn't that interesting? That's, 25% is huge. It's a huge number. And again, scientific evidence to prove that. They say that you will have more and better relationships if you're in the habit of expressing gratitude to people and to God. In fact, the way they put it is you will have more social capital. In other words, you will have the the resources to interact with people and be able to, in fact, this is the way they put it, get what you want. That's what they're saying. Again, up to almost 20% improvement in that. They say that gratitude increases and improves your physical health. You will actually have fewer aches and pains. Old people, did you hear that? So rather than complaining about your aches and pains, you're going to give thanks to God that you don't have as many as you could have. (laughs) 
It improves your psychological health. And the way they put it, it reduces toxic emotions. And that's something. You can actually cleanse yourself of toxic emotions by expressing gratitude. They say that gratitude helps you sleep better. If you are a grateful person, constantly giving thanks to God, even going to bed thanking God, you're going to sleep much, much better. It improves even your self-esteem. Wow. It even changes your personality for the better. How many would say today that you don't have the best personality? How many would say your spouse doesn't? You can change your personality by learning to be a grateful person, by expressing gratitude. It improves your marriage. If you're expressing gratitude to your spouse, it will improve your relationship to, with your husband or your wife. If you're giving God thanks for your spouse, again, it improves your marriage. And then 10th, did I say 11? I meant 10. You're welcome. Uh, it enriches your children. When you're expressing gratitude to God, you're teaching your kids how to be grateful. In one study, they found that kids who are more grateful feel life has more meaning. They get more satisf satisfaction from life and are happier and experience less negative emotions. Wow. I mean, if, if, you, want to, if you want to describe kids today, um, boy, that helps you understand what the problem is. But if you're teaching your kids how to be grateful, if you demand that your kids say thank you, what you're doing is you're actually helping your kids. Your kids may not like it when you're on their case all the time about that, but what you're doing is you're actually helping and improving their lives. A recent study in the UK, this, I just found this absolutely unbelievable, but a recent study in the UK found that a staggering 89% of young people ages 16 to 29 claimed that their life lacked meaning and purpose. That's nine out of 10 kids, no meaning and no purpose in life. So you understand and recognize how critical it is that we teach our kids how to be grateful, how critical it is that we adopt an attitude of gratitude as the way to go through this life. Now, for those who are not Christians, well, you know, it's, it's a good idea to do your best at this. But for those of us who are born again, who are truly converted, who belong to Jesus, this is not an option. In fact, the, the Apostle Paul knew all of this 2,000 years ago. We're just sort of figuring it out now. We think we're so brilliant. We've known this for thousands of years. Here's what the Apostle Paul says to the believers in Philippi. He says, don't worry about anything. Because what causes us to grumble and complain is we're worrying about, about stuff. Instead, Paul says, pray about everything. Don't complain and whine and grumble about it. Pray about it. Tell God what you need. And then do what? And then thank him for all he has done. Then you're going to experience peace in your heart, which exceeds anything that we can understand. So we're, we're talking about gratitude as a life changer and a, a mind changer, a heart changer, a personality changer. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus.
So as we come to the end of the series, thank you, Father. Understand that this has to be the way that you live your life. And if you don't stop to consider how you're going to implement this, how you are going to practice this, then I can guarantee you, you're going to walk out of here and you're going to forget all this until next year at this time when I'm going to hit you again with it <laughs> until we finally get this. But you need to write it down on your hand, put it on the dashboard of your car with a felt marker, uh, on the fridge, wherever, wherever you are looking all the time, and, and remind yourself to be grateful, to express gratitude. Now, let's just quickly, uh, let's just quickly do a, a, a refresher on what we've learned for the past three weeks. The first week, Pastor Chris uh, introduced to you the shoe boxes. And here's what, here's what Paul tells us. He tells us that our, our generosity will cause others to praise our Father in heaven. In fact, that's what Jesus said. He said, let your light shine so that your good deeds will cause all the people around you to offer gratitude and praise to God. That's how we need to live our lives. And so we actually give you the opportunity to, to do something that will make it possible for others to praise our Father in heaven. And we gave you shoe boxes. So um, I gotta tell you, last year we made, I think, I think we just a little over 300 boxes. And the good news this morning that I get to share with you is that we have over 360 shoe boxes filled this year. That is a brand new record. And man, would it ever be cool if we could hit 400? Uh, <laughs> So I'm told, I'm told there's 26 boxes left, so it's not too late if you haven't filled some. And uh, again, what we wanna do is we want to create a, 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 a chain reaction, a domino, uh, the domino effect, where we don't just praise God through our giving, but we cause others to praise God because we gave. And then in the second week, we talked about the Thanksgiving cycle and um, and here it is right, right here. Uh, we, remember, we talked about Joshua and Moses and how when they came to the end of their lives, they declared that God had been faithful. God had never let them down, not even once. I declared that at the last, uh, on the last Sunday of the Thanksgiving series in September. If I've been serving God for 49 years. And he's never let me down once. Well, here's what you need to need to understand that there is in fact uh, what we would call a thanksgiving cycle. You give thanks to God and as you're giving thanks to God, you're reminded to obey God. Now, if this doesn't make sense to you, then you need to go back to listen to the message. But essentially, this is what happens. You give thanks to God and as you're giving thanks to God, you're being reminded that you need to obey God. And then when you obey God, what happens is that God blesses you. And then when God blesses you, then it's like, wow, thank you, Jesus, for blessing me. And there's the cycle goes round and round. So that was in the second week. Critical, critical to understand this if you want the blessing of God in your life. How many want the blessing of God in your life? Three, four, eight. Do I, do I see that? Yes. Yes. That's how you know God's blessing your life. You're living a life of thanksgiving. And then last week, we looked at the life of Daniel, and he was being threatened. If you don't pray to the emperor, Darius, 
then you are going to be thrown into the lion's den. But when Daniel learned that the law not to pray to God had been signed, he went home and what, did he, what does he do? He knelt down as usual in his upstairs room with his windows open towards Jerusalem. He didn't care who listens. Bring it on. And he prayed three times a day, just as he had always done, giving thanks to his God. Wow, what an example for us. And I'm telling you today, whatever you're facing, how many would say today you're facing lions in a den? <laughs> you're facing some real hardships, some real struggles, some real difficulties in your marriage, in your family, at work. You're, it's just a mess. Hey, do what Daniel did. Just pray three times a day, make it your habit, and just give thanks to God, and then watch what God will do. Everybody get that? So today, in our last, our last in the series, it's going to have to be brief because we're going to have communion together. We're going to give thanks to God for Jesus Christ. In fact, Jesus teaches us to give thanks for him. This is what we read about in Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John implies it in various, various places, but um, in, especially in John chapter 6. But it's Matthew, Mark, and Luke that actually have Jesus doing what we would call communion or the Lord's Supper. What's the greatest thing that God has done for us? Well, I think we all could answer that question. God gave us his son. That's the best thing that he could have ever given us. It's the best thing that he could have ever have done for us. But why? Well, very simply, and again, this is the gospel that we preach here, because every one of us is lost. Every one of us is a sinner. Every one of us is in need of God's forgiveness and his grace. Would you all say amen to that? Because if you can't say amen to that, then there's no point taking communion. Because that's what this is about. Some communion, or some uh, churches, they call communion, what we call communion, they call it the Eucharist. How many come from a background where you called it the Eucharist? You may, you may have been from an Anglican background, perhaps Lutheran, perhaps Roman Catholic. Eucharist is actually an, a word that comes from the Greek word, echaristo. Uh, and echaristo simply means thank you. Well, the Bible is clear that Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, he gave thanks to God first and then, and then led the disciples in taking what we call the Lord's Supper. Here's, here's what it says in uh, 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six. 26. Every time you eat this bread and drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes again. And so that's what we're going to be doing today here. We've got our, the bread and the wine, and we will, together as a body, we'll be, we'll be participating in this. Now, I want you to see that word um, announcing. It, it is the Greek word, katagelete, um, which literally is translated, you are down messaging. We, we don't really have an English word that adequately expresses that, so we, we've used the word announcing. I, I've, I just came up with some other words to help us get the gist of what Jesus is asking us to do. Uh, another word for announcing would be proclaiming or broadcasting, declaring, 
publicizing. In other words, what we're doing is that we are continuing to proclaim to the world that Jesus Christ died for us, and not just that he died for us, but that all humanity needs a savior. Would everybody say amen to that? All humanity is lost. This is, this is what we preach. All, his, all humanity is lost until everybody is found. Who are they found by? Who are they found by? Jesus, that's right. In fact, that's what Jesus said. If you want to know why I came to this earth, for one reason, to seek and to save what was lost. And that's you. That's me. I was found by Jesus. It wasn't so much me finding Jesus. Jesus found me. Jesus reached out to me. Jesus, Jesus appealed to my heart. So that's really what we're doing here this morning. We're celebrating the fact that Jesus has reached out to us, and now we are declaring to our church, to one another, that we indeed needed to be saved. That's why we're eating and drinking the bread and the cup. Now, giving thanks for Christ has been enshrined in our Christianity from day one. Uh, this passage of Scripture, 1 Corinthians, you may or may not know this, but this was actually written before the Gospels were written. So before Matthew, Mark, and Luke tell us what they tell us about, about that first communion service, uh, Paul tells us about it in 1 Corinthians. Now, that, that, that comes as a bit of a shock, perhaps, but here's what you need to understand, that this is part of what it means to be a Christian. We are constantly in the, in the practice of giving thanks to God for his gift of Jesus Christ. Now, if you've come from another, another Christian tradition, you uh, may come from the tradition where there are seven sacraments. In our tradition, we have only two sacraments, or what we call ordinances. And the reason we have only two, it's because it's the only two that Jesus himself established. The first ordinance is, of course, baptism, which we, by the way, are doing in December. So if you haven't been baptized yet, we invite you to sign up for that. And the reason we're asking you to do it is because Jesus tells you to do it. So we, we get baptized in obedience to Christ. The second ordinance is communion. Now you'll notice that in both baptism and in communion, it is a celebration of the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. In fact, in baptism and in communion, we share in Christ's death and resurrection. When you're baptized, what are you doing? You are identifying with Christ, you are going down being buried, and you're coming up resurrected. This is a celebration, it's absolutely thrilling. Can hardly wait to do this in December. So if you haven't signed up yet, please do so immediately. Some of you said, you know what, I was baptized as a child and I don't feel like it was my decision if you would like to be baptized, by all means, sign up. We'd love to baptize you so it's your decision and not your parents' or anybody else's decision. So baptism and communion, these two celebrations of the death and the resurrection of Christ is central to our faith. You need to understand that. It's central to who we are as Christians. 
Now, the problem in North America is that we have forgotten that this is who we are, this is what we're about. There's all kinds of sermons, all kinds of preaching that has to do with you having a better life or a better you. Not biblical. Yes, God wants you to be a better person, but the way that God wants you to be a better person is not by changing the way you think. Rather, it's by changing who you are. When you became a Christian, you became a brand new creation. Does this make sense? You have, you have surrendered your life to Christ. You are now dead to yourself because of your sin. All these words I'm using, a lot of churches don't want to use them anymore because they find it offensive. Well, surprise, surprise. Jesus said, <laughs> I am an offense. That's what Jesus said about himself. I'm an offense. Does that surprise anybody here today? Because we're trying with all our might nowadays to try not to be offensive. So I, here's what I'm going to be. I'm going to try to be as offensive as I can. <laughs> <laughs> not because not because I not because I want to be, you know, a, a nasty kind of guy. But I'm gonna tell you the truth offends the sin nature. Do you get that today? Truth offends the sin nature. We don't want to hear the truth. The sin nature rebels and chafes at that. Please don't offend me. Now, these these celebrations of Christ's death and resurrection is something that you and I are called to give God thanks for on a regular basis. A wonderful thing at baptism, when we baptize people, everybody claps, everybody's excited. What are we doing? We're giving God thanks that he has rescued someone from the grave, rescued somebody from death, and brought them into eternal life. Someone say hallelujah. And then we celebrate the, the, the communion table together where we celebrate the marvelous things that Jesus Christ has done for us. Well, what, what is it that we're giving thanks to God for? Well, first of all, um, and I gotta, I gotta wrap this up because we have to have communion, but we're giving God thanks, first of all, that we have been released from Satan's grip. There's four people that are happy about that. <laughs> We have been released from Satan's grip. The Bible tells us that the God of this world has blinded the eyes of those who are perishing. Jesus Christ comes storming in and he rips the veil away so that we can see the truth, so we can see him and we can understand and eventually come into relationship with him. So we have freedom in Jesus Christ. Everybody get that? Freedom to serve him. What else happens? Well, we're reconciled to the Father. When I hear people say, oh man, I, said, you know, I sent up a prayer to God and I just hope something changes and hey, say a prayer for me. And I, Nancy Pelosi, she's praying for Donald Trump and Donald Trump's praying for Nancy. So it's just bizarre nonsense. How many know that you can't just come up with your own theology? You, you, you can't do that. I hear people doing that all the time. They come up with their own theology, their own understanding, and their own explanation about the way God works. Hey, if you're going to start talking about the way God works, then you better actually know what he says about how he works. And that's by reading the Bible and knowing the scripture. So here's the, here's the thing we're thankful for. We are reconciled to the Father. We have the privilege and the honor of going to the Father. 
How do we know this? Because it says in Hebrews that it is through the blood, the shed blood of Jesus Christ, that we have access to the throne of God, right? Hebrews tells us, come with your prayer requests, with your petitions, with your need. Boldly, come boldly to the throne of God. Some of us are not, we kind of like, I don't know, and I better better let, Pastor, you better pray for me because, you know, I'm not the best person. Well, guess what? I'm not either. (laughs) But I can come boldly to the throne of grace. I can come to the Father, to his throne, boldly, without fear, without worry of being judged or condemned. I can come boldly to the throne because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ. I am covered. I am cleansed. So when God, when I come boldly to his throne, he didn't say, who is this little rat? No, he says, welcome my son. He sees Jesus. When we're celebrating today, that's what we're celebrating, what Jesus Christ has done for us. He has reconciled us to the Father. What else are we celebrating? What else are we giving thanks for? Jesus has made Alan Dunkoff a brand new creation. And I know Gloria's celebrating that too. (laughs) I'm a brand new creation, but guess what? If you are a believer in Jesus Christ today, then you too are a brand new creation. Can I remind everybody of something? I saw a book that came out a few years ago talking about the renovation of God. Can I just tell you something? That's utter nonsense. God renovates nothing. You don't need to renovate. If you could afford to renovate versus get a brand new house, what are you going to do? <laughs> you're going to buy a new house uh, or you're going to make it brand new. That's what God does for us. He makes us a brand new creation. And then the next thing he does, he makes us a brand new creation, then he gives us abundant life. What is this abundant life? Well, I guess the best way to say it is if you have it, you'll know you've got it. And how do you know you've got it? Well, you're going to be joyful and you're going to have peace. Did you get that? I didn't say you're going to be free of testing and, and difficulty and struggle. I didn't say that. And anybody that preaches that is, is utterly stupid because it's not in the Bible. I know some of you teach your kids not to say that. Sorry. <laughs> it's not in the Bible. But here's what I do know. Is that in the midst of your struggles, you can have joy and you have peace. That is the evidence that you have this abundant life that Jesus tells us about in John chapter 10, verse 10. The thief comes to rob and kill and destroy. And by the way, some of you are still under the influence and under the power of the enemy, the thief. But Jesus says, I have come that you might have life and have it abundantly with lots of joy and lots of peace. Hey, if you're a Christian and you're going around telling people you're a Christian, then please, please put a smile on your face. Be a joyful, peaceful, gracious person. Would you, would you do that, please? And if you can't, then keep your mouth shut. Don't tell anybody what you are. You're just giving us all a bad name. And everybody said, <laughs> hey, you get new life, you got abundant life, you have eternal life. Again, this is because of Jesus' shed blood, because of his body, which was given for us. Hey, we have no fear of death. Once you put your faith in Christ, if I live to live as Christ, 
Paul says to the Philippians that to die is gain. I'll take whatever God wants me to have, but I got no fear. I'm not afraid. And then finally, um, let me just say this in closing. Finally, we, uh, we become part of a family. It's called the family of God. You know what, I look, I look out here, uh, out of the congregation this morning. I know there's people from all different backgrounds, different parts of the world. And look at this, in Christ, you are my brother and my sister, and I don't care where you came from, it doesn't matter anymore. Because this is what, this is what Hebrews 11 tells us all about. It, it tells us that we are looking for the eternal city. We are looking for a city whose foundations are made by God himself. We are one. You're my brother, you're my sister. I don't care where you come from. I don't care what color your skin is, but you and I are one. It's called the family of God. Some of you never experienced what a real good family was until you came to church. You have no idea what a family is. In fact, you don't even know how to even behave in the family because you you've never done it before. But that's okay if you've come to the right place because we're full of, of joy and peace here and we can embrace anybody. This is where you belong. This is your home. This is your family. And for that, we give God thanks. Amen? Amen. Yeah, so look at this. Paul gives a warning. Anyone who eats the bread or drinks this cup of the Lord unworthily is guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. Right now, we're going to prepare ourselves to receive communion. But what I need you to do, I don't just... Just don't just walk up here and take it as if you're just going through some kind of a ritual. <sighs> Understand, this is about your heart and your relationship to God. Communion is for everyone who has put their faith in Christ. And Jesus says, do this. Do this in remembrance of me. This is something that you do. It's not, it's not, you, don't, you don't get to choose on this. This is something that, that the master has commanded us to do. Do this in remembrance of me. But be sure that your heart is right with God. Make sure that you're not taking this communion unworthily. What do I mean by that? Well, two things. Make sure, make sure that you're not holding a grudge against anybody. Jesus makes it clear to us in Scripture that a real love for God, real love for God, is evidenced in your love for people. If you're holding a grudge, if you're angry at somebody, if you're bitter towards somebody, you cannot take this. You cannot take it. And I'll tell you why. Because Paul warns in 1 Corinthians 11 that some people have died and become sick. It's a serious thing to take communion in an unworthy manner. So make sure, if you're angry or bitter towards someone this morning, I want you to make it right. I want you to pray. I want you to ask God to forgive you. I want, to, I want you to forgive that person. I want you to let it go now. Just let it go. Let it go. And let the love of God fill your heart and give you peace. Amen? And of course, the other thing is you've got to make sure. You've got to make sure there's no unconfessed sin in your life. 
Now, the wonderful thing is that we come to God as sinners and we can confess our sins and he will forgive us because that's his promise. He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Could I ask my elders to come to the table, please? Um, And as uh, Chris plays softly, let me just read to you one more passage of scripture. When we bless the cup at the Lord's table, Paul says, aren't we communing in the blood of Christ? And when we break the bread, aren't we communing in the body of Christ? And though we are many, we all eat from one loaf of bread, showing that we are one body. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm going to lead you in a prayer right now, and then as you are prepared to come and receive the communion, I'm going to ask you just to come along that wall, to go to the back, come along the wall. If there's anybody who's a little bit shaky on your feet, you can't, you can't uh, move, we'll, we'll bring it to you so you don't have to move. But examine your heart. Make sure your heart's right with God. Make sure that you've confessed your sin to the Lord and that you've forgiven those people who have failed you or let you down. Father, thank you right now that we belong to a body, the very body of Christ. Thank you, God, that in taking this communion, we are expressing our oneness in Christ. And we're expressing our gratitude for what Christ has done for us. We say with Jesus, thank you, Father. Thank you for the bread and thank you for the blood. So God, as we take communion together, we pray that our hearts will be filled with joy. And we thank you, God, for the glorious gift of Christ. Now, some of you this morning, you've not yet put your faith in Christ. But I'm going to tell you right now, you can do that. Simply ask God to forgive you your sins. Confess to him that you're a sinner. And he will forgive you. Ask him for his spirit to come and live in you so that you may begin to follow in the footsteps of Christ. You may start living out this faith. And if you pray that prayer this morning, then I need you to come and tell me about it afterward because I want to help you in your new faith, in your new walk with God. So if you if you prayed and if you're ready to receive, then please don't hesitate. Come and receive the body of Jesus Christ that was given to us. Come and receive the cup, which is the new covenant in his blood. Thank you, Jesus. happy to anoint you with oil and pray for you.
Just have a seat, and when you have examined your heart and prayed, then go ahead and consume these elements. And then we'll have a closing prayer. needs me to come to them, would you just uh, wave at me and I'll bring it to you? Anybody like that? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. Thank you, Father.
Father, we just want to say thank you for your family. Our hearts are, are moved deeply because we have, we have you, the hope of eternity. We have the of access to joy and peace in this life and great purpose and meaning. We have a new life in Christ. We're brand new creation, brand new creatures. Thank you, Father, for your faithfulness and your love for us. Father, as we go from this place now, may we go with profound gratitude and thanks for your love and for your faithfulness. Thank you, God, that we belong to you. And you belong to us. Hallelujah. Would you pray with or stand with me, please, as we just close with a prayer. Father, now as we go from here, be exalted, be glorified in all that we say and in all that we do. May we be a people full of gratitude. And we pray that for Christ's sake. Amen. Tell the person beside you, go giving thanks. <laughs> With care.